Hallelujah. Man, y'all are fired up this morning. It's not even the Sunday after the Daniel fast. Well, we, uh, Crystal and I went down to Cali this week, and uh, thank you guys for allowing us to recreate and hang out with the Shields and the Butchers. We had a great time. Uh, we were down there suffering for Jesus. On Tuesday, it was 75 degrees. It was hard. It's hard. I, the shorts that I brought were wrinkled because I hadn't worn them in so long. It's really good. Now, we hung out. We ate food. We uh, hung out at the church. You know, it's funny. When you get around a bunch of pastors, we all have the same stories. They're just different names. There's nothing new under the sun. The, the, the church in Iowa and the church in California is the same church in Washington State. And uh, so it's, it's fun to be around other pastors that love the Lord and love their churches and want to do good things for Jesus. So whenever you guys allow us to get away with those people, it, uh, we just come back pumped up, uh, maybe a little bit heavier. I ate too much. All right, let's, uh, let's pray over this message. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you'd use this word to change us, challenge us, and to convict us. Father, as you have uh, given us your word, Lord, we pray today that this word would reach deep down into our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Samuel chapter 9. Now David said, is there still anyone who is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? He said, at your service. And the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, there is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel and Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. And David said, Mephibosheth? And he answered, here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that I should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king called to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You therefore and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that, my, all, all that my Lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth <laughs> dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both of his feet. Say Mephibosheth. Say Mephibosheth. <laughs> It's a fun name, man. $25 to anybody who names their kid Mephibosheth in this church. I'll pay it. You know, I, I, I was born in 1975 and grew up in the dark ages of the 1980s. And uh, who, who remembers the 80s? Man, you, 
we, we never thought we'd look back on them with kindness. When uh, back in the 80s, we had these things, they were called a video cassette recorder. Um, and when I grew up, we had it rough. Like if you wanted to watch a movie that wasn't in the theaters, you'd have to go down to a corner store, rent a VCR in one of those big briefcases. Does anyone remember this? Right? And then they'd have all the movies that were on the wall and you'd rent those and you'd bring it home and you'd take the same movie, you watch it like five times because you had to return it on Sunday. It was rough back then, you know what I mean? And whenever you would bring back the, the, the big, huge VHS tape back to the store, there's always a sign. And the sign said, be kind, rewind. You guys remember that? These, these antiquated tapes. Yeah, life size. That was about the size of the tape. <laughs> be kind, rewind. And, the, and, and what that sign said was, when you received this VHS tape, someone else was kind enough to rewind it for you. So when you bring it back, why don't you show somebody else the same kindness that was shown to you and bring them back a rewound tape? In closing, I'd like to say, (laughs) that's really the story. That's what this story is about. Real quick, David has shown kindness. He shows Mephibosheth kindness because God showed him kindness. We should all have this same mindset that says... Since someone else rewound the tape, I should rewind the tape. Now David said, is there still anyone who is left in the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now, if you don't know the story, Jonathan and David were in a covenant with one another and Jonathan has died. Saul has died. David is now king. And so he remembers the covenant that he made with Jonathan and says, you know what? I've got to show somebody kindness uh, because me and Jonathan were in a covenant with one and uh, one another. And so this is a period in David's life where he has experienced victory, he's established himself as king, and his response was to find somebody else to bless. He had been shown kindness, he wanted to show somebody else kindness. If you remember the story, he had been attacked by King Saul, he had been pursued by Saul, he came from being a lowly shepherd boy to now he is king, but this process we've walked through over 1 Samuel, now as we're walking into 2 Samuel, and after he's gone through all this, he's standing at the top of the mountain, his thought is, I've got to show somebody else kindness because I myself have been shown kindness. See, David and Jonathan had entered into covenant with one another, and David wasn't going to forget the covenant that he had made. Even though Jonathan was dead, and Jonathan wasn't there to enforce the covenant, David knew, I made this covenant before God, I'm going to be a man of my word. These blessings extended past the death of Jonathan. You might find it interesting, in the Bible, people that made commitments, they actually meant them. When people make commitments in the Bible, they actually kept them. Because when they made a covenant, they they lived with an awareness and a knowing that I've made this covenant before God. And and, and if you look in the Old Testament, it actually says that God is now a witness between us. And so this covenant that we've made with each other, it's not merely a contractual lawful agreement before the courts. We have made a commitment before God and God is my witness. When your mama used to say that, she meant it. God is my witness. Because you made a covenant before God. Where was Mephibosheth though? See, in this story, what we see, David says, is there still anyone who's left in the house of Saul? And they said, well, there's this one guy, he's got lame feet. And David goes, where's he at? Where's, where's that guy at? 
Now, now it's interesting. Why was Mephibosheth? Gosh, I can't that name, man. Mephibosheth. The thing about Mephibosheth is that, so he's the line of Jonathan. He's got lame feet. And, and scholars say that the, the, the reasons why Mephibosheth was probably hiding is because it was normal when a new king came into power that he would kill everybody from the previous bloodline. And, and, and so it wouldn't have been abnormal in those times that now that David is king, he would seek out every blood relative of Saul and kill them off to ensure that no one would ever rise up and challenge his place as king. And so Mephibosheth, more than likely because he was lame, he was of the bloodline of Saul, he was the bloodline of Jonathan, was in hiding because he didn't want to end up being killed just because of his bloodline of where he was at. And so David goes out and wants to show him kindness. Now, this word kindness is important because kindness is, is actually bringing yourself to a lower stature. Kindness isn't like, I'm so great, I'm going to give you something great. Kindness is, I'm just going to come down to where you're at. If you're on the floor, I'm getting on the floor. And I'm going to bow myself down to you and I'm going to show you kindness. It's a, it's a submission of yourself and an elevation of another person. And to think that a king would seek out somebody, and even once he found out that he was lame, couldn't walk, that, that, that he would seek out to be able to show this person kindness when he was a king that had, could gain nothing from this relationship with this person. It was only because he wanted to honor God, because God had honored him. Mephibosheth may have been scared, and it must have been why David assured him when he saw him, verse 7, so David said to him, do not fear For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I will restore to you all the land of of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. Can you imagine if you were Mephibosheth and you were in hiding and you were worried and you're scared and the king of Israel comes up and says, you know what, man, I'm just going to give you a bunch of free land and you can always come to my table and you can eat as much as you want. I'd be excited. Amen. These are big promises. Kindness upon kindness, simply because he was the son of his best friend, Jonathan. Now, in 1 Samuel, uh, verse 20, I just want to show you guys this um, because you guys don't believe what I say, so I've got to show it to you in the Bible. In 1 Samuel, chapter 20, uh, verse 42, it says, Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed and Jonathan went to the city. Bible people meant it when they entered into covenant with one another. Your words matter. Your vows matter. What you say matters. And so in this instance, David is following through on his commitment to Jonathan to say, I'm going to bless you and your descendants. That's the level of relationship that we are in. I am not going to forget what we have said between each other. So what does this scripture mean to us? What do, what do we see from this? The, fir- the first thing I want to show to you is this, is that this story is a Bible story, but every Bible story has a Bible application in our own lives. Amen? Yeah. And so in this story, we are Mephibosheth. In this story, we are that person that did nothing to receive the blessings other than that we were related to Jonathan. Well, Mephibosheth was shown kindness, not because of who Mephibosheth was, but because of who David was. 
David was a man of his word. Mephibosheth didn't go to David and say, hey, I'm from the house of Jonathan and I heard you made a commitment with my dad. So now you're gonna give me this. Now you're gonna do this in my life. No, he was scared. He was away. He was afraid to even confront the king. But the king, because of who he was, sought out Mephibosheth and said, you know what? I'm gonna show you kindness, not because you deserve it, but because of who I am, I'm gonna show you kindness. This is, was all David. It was his holding to his oath. It was his kindness. It was him keeping his covenants. Do you realize this morning, friend, that God came looking for you before you were looking for him? God extends you kindness because of his goodness, not because of yours. And we serve a God that keeps his covenant promises. God is a God of his word. He never forgets what he says. You might forget what he says, but he never forgets what he says. In this story, we are Mephibosheth. David knew these promises, Psalm 106, 45. And for their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the multitude of his mercies. See, in, in, in today's day and age, and, and I praise God that we've been going through some scriptures of the Old Testament because there's people that say things like the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. It doesn't, there's God. You say, well, unhitch your faith from the Old Testament. Don't unhitch your faith from the Old Testament. The Old Testament's the same Bible that Jesus used. It's the same Bible that the, uh, the apostles used and the disciples used. They didn't use a Gideon New Testament. That's not what they used. It's all God's scripture and it's good for us to apply to our lives. And so when we, we, we look through the Old Testament, we see a God that never gives up on his people, a God that desires to show forgiveness, a God that desires to show mercy to his people, a God that desires to show kindness to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a God that will not relent in pursuing you and loving you. God in his kindness comes and rescues us from our pain, our misery, our bad decisions. It wasn't because we were good. It's because he is good. Amen. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That means that while you were still in the muck and the yuck, that you were stuck where you're at, God looked down at you and said, you know what? I'm going to save you. I'm going to set you free. I'm going to deliver you. Not because you're good, not because you deserve it, but because I'm good and I long to show mercy and I long to show forgiveness. God did not save you because of your worthiness. And, and, and this is something that I talk about a lot of times. We say, oh, you got to tell us how unworthy we are. Because people go from this place where they forget what they've been saved from and they start to have some sort of selfish spiritual pride to say that now that they've been saved, I, I deserve this and, and I should be treated this some kind of way. You're navel lint, man. God didn't save us because of our worthiness. It's because of his greatness. It's because of who he is. You know, back when I was in college, I, I had this fantastic opportunity to go to a uh, um, all-expenses beach club. Um, I, I highly recommend this experience. Uh, it, it was in Santa Monica, and, and I was with another one of my friends. And, and when I say all-expenses, taking care of everything kind of beach club, it's literally on the beach in Santa Monica where you drive up, and, and they valet your car, and they hand you towels, and you go and you can sit on the beach. And we're like, we're like college kids, you know what I mean? So we're there with like the umbrellas and like, hey, bring me another uh, Mountain Dew or whatever. And uh, they, they literally come out to the beach and serve you whatever you want, and then you just give them the number of the person that is paying for the membership. 
wasn't us. It was his dad, right? And, and they, they, they had free buffet food with cracked crab. I mean, it was just like, it was living. Now, that's not the life I live, okay? But I highly recommend it. Like if you, <laughs> like I, the, the one time my whole entire life back in the 20s, the tw- not the 20s, but my 20s. <laughs> and, uh, but it's, uh, it's a great experience because when you're in a place like that, like people will do whatever you ask and ask no questions if you've got the magic number. I, I don't remember the magic number. I wish I did. What's interesting, that story is that when you're there, you start to believe that, that they're being nice to you because you deserve it. When, when the reality is the only reason they're being nice to you is because somebody else has paid the price. Somebody else already took care of it. They had a contract with his father. Contract wasn't with us. But they, because of what our fa- his father had done, shows us kindness. 1 John 4, 9, in this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Friends, we serve a God of forgiveness. He's always been a God of forgiveness. Right now, if you are not a Christian, you are under the wrath of God, but he is still loving you in the midst of that. He's calling out to you. He's reaching out to you. He's saying, come to me, son. Come to me, daughter. I want to be in relationship with you. It's in his nature to forgive. That's who he is. 1 Kings 8.50, thousands of years ago, and forgive your people who have sinned against you and all their transgressions which they have transgressed against you and grant them compassion before those who took them captive that they may have compassion on them. Friend, you were Mephibosheth. You were lame. You were unworthy. You had nothing to offer God and God in his kindness looked down and said, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to save you. I'm going to set you free because of who he is. We must never forget who we were and where we came from, where we were saved and when we were saved. And some of you might say, man, it seems like you always kind of bring this up. Yes, I do. Because all of the problems of your life and the problems that rotate within your relationships are directly connected to you forgetting where you came from. You move from like I was broke, busted, disgusted, deserved nothing into this self-righteous, treat me different kind of Christian. Or the beginning of our salvation was, I'm nothing and I desire everything in you, God. And when you live your life in such a way that you never forget, that's why you constantly have to read your Bible. That's why you constantly have to be in church. That's why you constantly have to listen to worship. Because left to our own devices, we start to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. We must never forget that we were saved. Do, do you know what that word saved means? It means that you were saved from sin. You were saved from yourself. You were saved from God's wrath. You can praise God that you are saved. The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, for all, every single one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 7, 20, for there is not a just man on earth who does good and does not sin. There's not a just man. And then this this is not the common ethos of the world today. The world wants to say the people are inherently good. And people are not inherently good. People are inherently evil. And if you are a prideful, self-righteous person, you, you probably think that, man, I'm good and everybody else thinks I'm good. The people that are broken can see the brokenness on you even though you can't see it yourself. 
Quit being so prideful to think that that you don't need a savior. Quit being so prideful to think, well, I can save myself and I can live this life on my own and I don't have to answer to anybody. I only have to answer to myself. Friends, you're going to answer to a holy and righteous God. Everybody else around you can see your need for the savior. But Jesus came to cure us of our brokenness. That's what Jesus came to do. In this story, David is the Christ figure seeking out the broken sinner with the lame feet, Mephibosheth. And he says, I've come to save you. I've come to set you free. Matthew 11, Jesus answered and said to them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Friends, when Jesus came to town, people's life got better, not worse. We were lame, we were blind, we were broken, we were sinners in need of a Savior, and He came in His goodness and set us free. Amen? Amen. The Bible says in John 8, 36, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Praise God for His freedom. Amen? Amen. Romans 8, 37, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. The only reason why you're able to conquer anything is because of Christ in you. It's His love inside of you. Now I understand that I come in here and I preach a sermon on a Sunday and and then then for some of you it's like, it's just going over your head because you've never been tormented with feelings of guilt. You've never had thoughts of shame or embarrassment about what you've said or what you've done or what you've thought. Maybe Maybe that just doesn't apply to you. I for one know what I've been delivered from, amen? I know what God has set me free from. I know the sleepless nights and the pain in the stomach where you cried out to God and said, God, forgive me one more time. Alone, dejected, forgotten, without direction, but God saved you. And then when he saves us, oh my goodness, we get huge blessings we don't deserve. (laughs) That's why there's so many blessings I get in my life and I'm just like, why? God, I don't, I don't deserve, I don't get, deserve half of what you give me and you don't give me half of what I deserve. You just in your kindness and it's the story of Mephibosheth. He's, I mean, you think about him, he's hiding and his legs are broken and he's lame and he's, and then the king comes in and goes, Hey man, we're going to give you a bunch of land and you can eat at my table anytime you want. Mephibosheth is like, what, what did I do to deserve this? Why should I be shown this kindness? but that's the heart of God. Huge blessings we don't deserve. God comes in and he rescues us. God comes in and he holds to his covenants that he has made. Ephesians 2.6 says that then he raises us up together and makes us sit in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If you're in Christ Jesus, you've been set free, uh, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that you are seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. What an honor and a privilege to be able to do that. You say, oh, I want, you know, I want to have influence in this world. What could be greater than sitting at the right hand of Jesus, man? Deuteronomy 28.1, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord God will set you high above all the nations in the earth. Uh, let me go off notes for just half a second here. When you look at people that are living blessed lives, oftentimes it's because they're being faithful to God and you're not. People think there's some magical formula that, that like God gives it to other people and doesn't get to give to other people. The magical formula, not, don't think magical, you know, it's, I can't think of the word. The special formula, the biblical formula, whatever. Be faithful to God and you'll be blessed. 
I never see people that, uh, you know, people that aren't walking in sin and, and living according to the scriptures, they turn around and they're just somehow more blessed than the, the, the people that say that they're Christians, but walk in rebellion, refuse to bow the knee, refuse to live according to the scriptures. And they say, well, how come I can't be blessed like that? You can just live according to the scriptures. Do things the Bible way, get the Bible results. That's how it works. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. When you go to God and you ask for things uh, pertaining to righteousness, he promises he will make you righteous before him. But we must receive it in humility because he returns to us what we have lost, even in the midst of our own faults and gives us more. We get a seat at the king's table. We get access to the king and fellowship. We are Mephibosheth. We're now seated at the king's table. We now eat of his table. We now have land at the king's, in the king's land. And, and, and so we must respond to it with humility. We need the king more than the king needs us. We are still weak and lame. This is Mephibosheth and this is us. Can you think to how many steps in your life had to be orchestrated to get you to salvation? I've thought of all the things of like, if I hadn't gone here, if I hadn't done that, if I hadn't had this relationship, if I hadn't made this decision, if I hadn't done this, I may not even be here today. I may not even be alive today if, if, if God hadn't orchestrated those things. How did Mephibosheth respond? Verse six, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. How can we not worship the God that saved us? How can we not? That, that's, that's why when, when people profess like, oh, I'm a Christian, but there's no fruit of like brokenness. There's no fruit of worship. There's no fruit of like, I've got to live differently because what God has done in me, frankly, I question whether or not that person's saved. I question not whether or not that person's converted because a converted purple, he- purple, a, convi- a, con- a converted person realizes that God did something here and now they're different because of it. They demand less. They, they, they forgive quicker. They, they love more. They, they, they act differently because of what God has done in their own life. In this story, we're not just Mephibosheth. We're David as well. We are David. What are we going to do with what has been given to us? Are we going to protect ourselves or bless others with what we have? See, the, the story of David is not that David made himself king. The story of David is that God chose him and made him king. The story of David is that God looked down on a lowly shepherd boy and said, you want, because of your heart, I'm going to make you king one day. All these times that Saul tried to kill David, David was protected because of God. So David's whole entire progression to where he got was because of God. And David realized that. And so because he realized that, he, he had a mindset that said, now that I have this, what am I going to do with this? God did not save you for you. He saved you. Praise God. You're set for even law of sin and death. Praise God. But what are you going to do with it? It's interesting. The body of Christ doesn't need a bunch of butts. You know what I mean? Just sitting around being blessed. But some people live that mindset to say, well, I don't know about you, but I'm taken care of. David had a heart for God. And so he comes to himself and he realizes, what am I going to do now that I'm on top of the mountain? Who can I bless? Who can I help? Hebrews 10, 24 says, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. When's the last time you sat around and prayed and asked God, God, who is it in my sphere of influence that needs more love? Let, let, me, let me consider somebody else. 
I, I used to be in a struggle. I'm no longer in a struggle. Who, who do you have in my sphere of influence that I can bless? Who do you have in my sphere of influence that I can, can love because you loved me? Who can I help? Proverbs eleven twenty five: the generous soul will be made rich and he who waters will also be watered himself. Now, I, I, I really, I would prefer to never share any personal stories in my sermons. I would much rather stick to the scriptures and just let it go. But I believe in the, in the process of, of self-vulnerability so you can connect with the guy and receive what's being said. But I don't enjoy it. It's, it's not, somebody's like, man, I wish you'd get up there and talk about myself. I really don't enjoy talking about myself. It's just a way that you guys connect a whole lot better. Stop it with the bottle. And so... Uh, it's my world. And, and so when I share with you guys a story of, of vulnerability, it's not because I want you to feel about me a certain way. It's because I want you to look inside of yourself and realize that you too can get to somewhere else. Okay? So in, in, in my life, and Crystal and I have talked about this a lot, Christ has filled me. Christ has set me free. But, but emotionally and relationally, I... There, there's some emptiness that I've had since I was a child based on the relationships that I had. When, you, when you're, when you're a, a kid of divorce, there's an emptiness that, that just stays there, okay? When, when, you're, when your own father rejects you, it, it kind of gnaws at you a little bit. It gnaws at your sense of self-worth. And, and it was very early on after I got saved that I realized that there wasn't a group of people that were sitting around trying to think about how they could make my life better. I, I realized this when I was in my teen years. And so I made a decision when I was a teenager, what would my life look like if I started to give people what I wanted myself? What, what, what if I decided to love people? What if I decided to give to people? What if, what if in the midst of my life, I, I just kind of tabled my brokenness and, and just said, you know what, I'm going to pour out of an empty cup. But, but the way God's math works is it, it just doesn't make any worldly sense. You take an empty cup and you start pouring out of it. And as you bring it back, it just keeps getting fuller and fuller. And then you turn around like, wow, my cup is full, but I keep pouring it out. But God keeps filling it up. When, when, you, when, you, when you begin to, to get outside of your own brokenness and just begin to love people, you'd be amazed at what God can do in your life. The, the, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Jesus said in Luke 14, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. See, I actually believe that there's a God. I actually believe that he's watching. I actually believe that I am going to get rewards in heaven. So if you live your life in such a way that you only want to reach out and love people that can give something back to you, the Bible says that's not how this works. You love the unlovable. You serve the unservable. You, you give to those that don't deserve. You, you love those that, that, that don't even need to be loved based on how they've lived their lives. These are gospel truths about who we are and who we should be as people who have been set free. For those of us that have been made a king in, in Christ Jesus' eyes, that we should show kindness and what are some of the ways that we do that? You have to seek out people to bless. You actually have to have a mindset. The Bible says to consider. So you have to, have to think like, who do I know that lives in my cul-de-sac that I can reach out to? Right? I mean, you guys know the Flints, right? Raise your hand, Flints. I don't know if you guys know this. These are, <laughs> Karen's like not raising my hand. And they live in my cul-de-sac. If you want to know how we really live, go ahead and ask them. 
because they moved in and we started loving on them. We started like reaching out to them. I'm human. When I pull into my garage, I'm done with whatever it is. I want to close the door and go inside and hide from the world. But there's some new guy in the cul-de-sac. So I forced myself to come over and be like, what's up, man? And now me and Marty are friends and our families love each other. and We're living life with each other. You get outside of yourself and you go and you do it. And at our cul-de-sac special, we all love each other out there. It's Timberland, holler. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's what happens. People at your work that you... I'm still praying for the people at my work, so help me. Um, I just, I look, looking for people, people you can bless at work in public. <laughs> life is hard. It's hard to bless people that you perceive don't deserve it. People that you think aren't going to respond well. In our flesh, we want to return evil for evil. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. We must bless because we were blessed. There's a reason why it says in 1 Peter, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but contrary on the blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. It might be surprising to you that, that God saves somebody, God sets somebody free, and then he makes us a new creation, and the fruits of the Spirit come up, but there seems to be just a little bit left on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now you guys, you guys are fully saved, delivered. Well, my life, we were, uh, we were at one of Faith's basketball games here, uh, uh, I don't know, about a month or so ago, and if y'all haven't been out to see Faith play, I mean, she got game. She's killing it. She's doing really good. Uh, you guys are always invited to come out to a game. Um, but me and Gabe, some of y'all couldn't handle being at our house. Uh, me and Gabe were sitting there, and I'm and I'm sitting on the floor uh, on the on the bleachers with my feet on the floor of the court. Gabe's like right behind me here, and then Crystal's right there. And so Faith goes to the free throw line, and she was not doing good. And so um, me and Gabe began to make fun of her to ourselves because, you know, sometimes me and Gabe are like it's just kind of how we are. <laughs> You know, it's funny. We always talk about poor faith. Whatever guy that she brings home, we're going to be relentless with that dude. Like there's no hope for that guy. He better be squared away. And so, so we're, we're kind of just laughing and joking and calling faith some little funny names. And, and so on the other side of the aisle, so it's me, Gabe, Crystal. And then there's another, shall we call him gentleman, uh, who's, who's sitting up there. And, and apparently his life was such that he wants to listen to the conversations that I'm having between me and my son. And he erroneously interpreted that as me and my son were making fun of my daughter, who was at the free throw line, that we were making fun of his daughter that was in the blocks, blocking out. And so he thought it well to correct us with a elevated voice uh, from my wife and say something to defend his, the honor of his daughter. Now, initially when that happened, I, my first thought was, man, I was like, oh man, I feel bad about that, right? Because I, I mean, it's one thing to make fun of your own kids. We all do that. But like, <laughs> you, uh, to, to, to think that somebody thought that I was making fun of their daughter, like, I just, I just don't do that. Like, that's not what we do. And, and so my initial response, because I'm a Christian, is I thought, man, I got to make this right. And so I stood up and I, and I began to walk up the stairs to where this person was sitting. I said, man, I, hey, I'm, I'm so sorry. There was a, a misunderstanding. We were talking about, he said, shut up and sit down. Excuse, excuse me? Now, now, I'm saved, man. Like I really am. And I love Jesus. I really do. But, but there's this man part of me where, where I just like, I kind of, 
because he was, he was a, a smaller individual than I. And, and, and I've, got, you know, I've got back pain from the army and stuff, but when that adrenaline starts, it kind of comes here and it kind of comes up the back over the top of the head. Your armpits start to sweat and your lips starts to quiver. And you just, in your mind's eye, you see by the collar and it's just like down the end and just bang, bang, God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Anybody else? And I said to him, I said, I caught myself. I was like, and, I, and again, what comes to my mouth, I'm sorry, man. I, 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 we were just talking about my daughter and that's what we call her and everything else. He said, I told you to sit down and shut up. Don't come up and try to square off on me and get in a fight with me. And I was like, and, and I, I just, I was outside of myself and I said, you know what, man? I was trying to make it right. I was just trying to apologize. But in that moment, I had to remind myself, like, I'm a Christian. Like, I, I, like, I, I saw Como TV, local pastor arrested at basketball game. And so I just shut my ever-loving mouth and sat down and crossed my arms. And some of you say, well, you ain't much of a man letting somebody talk to you like that. You know what? I answer to God. It was clear that that guy wasn't having a, not a good day. He doesn't have a good life. I don't know where he is or what he's doing or he's yelling at somebody else somewhere. But I answer to the king. I'm not going to let somebody pull me into that stuff, man. It might make me look a certain kind of way. And everybody in that section probably thought, well, he's real tough. I don't care whether they think I'm tough or not, man. I care about what God thinks about me. Amen. Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 1 Peter 4, 8, and above all things have fervent love for one another for love will cover a multitude of sins. Luke 6, 31, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do them likewise. Friend, bless other people when they don't deserve it. But give a good tip to a bad waitress, bad waiter. Well, they don't deserve a tip. Some of y'all are so cheap that you start thinking of the reason why you're not going to tip when you sit down. And this water wasn't cold enough. Where's my straw? All, just give them a 20% and give them a card to church. Seriously, Christians should be the biggest tippers out there. See, these are Sunday school verses that we forget to walk out daily. That's why it's important for them to be reminded to us all the time. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works and glorify your father in heaven, let it be, start, here's an interesting concept, start at home, start at home. See, people say, oh, I want my relationship to change with my spouse or I want a relationship. Start being the love that you think that you deserve. Well, they haven't done this to deserve this love. The Bible doesn't say love those that deserve it. The Bible says to love people. It doesn't say to serve. All those scriptures still apply to your marriage relationships. They, they still apply to your friendship relationships. And they may not deserve it, and that's okay. That, that, and that's okay. Job 6.14, to him who is afflicted, kindness should be shown by his friend, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty, show kindness even though that person may not love God at all. Amen? Amen. Bless others because God has blessed you and you'll be like David. Never forget that you are a Mephibosheth that God saved and set free. Amen?
Be kind, rewind. Would you guys close your eyes, bow your heads? Maybe this is the first time that you've realized that you needed a Savior. And every service at Faith and Victory, we always end it with a call to ask you if you'd like to become a Christian. And the beginning of being a Christian is just realizing, man, I need a Savior. I need someone to forgive me of my sins. But it's not that you just want to be forgiven. You want to live a different life. You want to enter into covenant with God and say, do you know what, God? I'm done living for myself. And this is a high call. This is a a big ask from the Lord because he says, I want you to leave everything. Your thoughts, your desires, your plans, everything before him. And you say, God, would you forgive me? Would you set me free? But you have to come to him. You have to come and you have to ask and say, Lord, will you forgive me? And he does it every single time. And if you've never made that decision before and you're sitting here this morning and you would say, do you know what? I, I want to become a Christian. I want to live for Jesus. I don't want to live for myself anymore. Today is the beginning of the rest of your life and we want to pray with you. So if you've never made that decision before at our church, we ask you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to, I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to do that for the first time? Hand held high. Now, maybe you know the truth and you're like, man, I, I already give my life to Jesus, man. I can't count how many times I've been in a church service and I've asked to be saved. But man, I've, I've been so far from God recently. And I'm not talking about a bad weekend or a bad couple weeks. I'm talking about months. You've been, go- you've been gone. You're like living in the twilight zone. And you're like, how do I get back? Friend, he's right behind you. You just have to turn around. Maybe you need to rededicate your life to Jesus today want to come back to him after being gone. If you want some prayers for that this morning, I want you to raise your hand as well so we can pray for you. Is there anybody that needs to make that declaration this morning? Hand held high. Thank you, Jesus. But God, in this message, all we ask is that we would never forget that we're Mephibosheth, God. Lame, broken with nothing to offer. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Thank you for setting us free. Let us never forget let our response be that of King David, that because of what you've done for us, Father, we're going to seek out other people to bless, other people to love. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.